Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're here for the next hour to unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Thanks so much for being with us. Luke's here. Henry's here. You're here. We want to hear what you're convinced of today. Leave your comments on Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you may be watching or listening. Uh, And then also, uh, for those of you that listen later on the podcast, shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. And uh, please subscribe to all those channels, like, follow, and and leave comments uh, wherever you are. And uh, thank you for for those that leave uh, comments or reviews on our our podcast and Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify and and all that. So we, uh, we appreciate you as a listener. And, uh, man, we got some exciting things going on here at Unpacking It that we will be uh, sharing with you in the coming weeks. And, and so thanks for sticking with us and, and being a part of the Unpacking It community. So we do this with you, uh, for you. Uh, ultimately, we do it for Jesus, but, but we do this for you uh, as well. And, and so uh, we're going to talk some sports today. The, the NFL weekend was fantastic, which uh, is what I'm convinced of. And so we'll get to that in just a moment. We will do tap drill with Henry Uh, unpack this today is about self-inflicted wounds and how about the Chiefs yesterday they lost again what's going on with the Chiefs well give the love to the Bills we'll give the love to the Bills because I've got diehard Bills fans they stick with their teams I mean they are so diehard Uh, they stick with the Bills despite all that they've kind of struggled with with losing over the years they still stick with them so good to see them get a marquee win last night Sunday night football uh, we also, I, I want to talk about uh, fans rushing the field. Uh-huh. I want to talk about post-game uh, interviews. I want to talk about halftime interviews uh, down on the sidelines and, and everything in between. So a lot of great matchups yesterday that we got to get into. Before we jump into all of that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Let's say hello to Luke Eaton in Texas. Luke, how are you, man? Oh, you know I am great. Reppin' the Maroon, baby. Come on, what a dub. Beating number one Bama at home. I still am just, I I can't stop thinking about the game. (laughs) It was a marvelous, objectively amazing football weekend. Yes, Even outside of the A&M game, NFL and college football. Such good football. One of the better weekends in a while. And then yeah. you sprinkle in a heavy sprinkling of one of the greatest wins in A&M football history. I'm all in. So Luke's, it is a great weekend for me. Luke is a, a Texas A&M grad and, and wearing his shirt proud for those of you that are, that are just listening. Uh, and, and last week on the show, I, I told you I root against Texas A&M. However, if you're going up against Alabama, the number one team, I'm rooting for you. Come Take on. them down. Let's right. go. Let's go. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was pumped for the win. I was pumped for the win. But uh, <laughs> but I do have some some thoughts on the rushing of the field. And so I will save that 
Fair. Uh, for for just a, in just a little bit. I, but, I do I do have a question for you. I would I would like to return the favor just as a as a kind gracious conversationalist I am. You asked how my week was. How was your week? And also, what's what's the deal with the uh, with the look today? <laughs> We've got a five o'clock shadow going. We've got the plaid. It looked like a lumberjack. You just finished cutting down some lumber, little getting firewood ready for the winter. What's, what's going on today? <laughs> that is a fair, fair statement. So, you know what's crazy? So now that we've got, I guess she's eight years old. Michaela, or eight weeks old, I should say. It feels like we've been going through this for eight years, but <laughs> eight weeks. It's been, it's been challenging. Uh, just to find time to shower and shave is challenging. Hmm. Even to cut my fingernails, like just to take care of yourself because you're taking <laughs> care of a baby all the time, it's very challenging. So the fact that I found, uh, you know. A, a, a clean shirt to actually Jody does great laundry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't even joke about it. She does our laundry. She does a great job. But the funny thing about this shirt that, that now that you bring it up. So I actually, I wore this to church yesterday. So, so I, so I grabbed it again, but, but guess what? Yesterday I put it on and you know, jo, Jody's my wife. She's very in tune with both of our daughters, taking care of them, doing the laundry. She does so much for us to, to stay, uh, to stay afloat. So she doesn't necessarily always notice me or, or even what I'm, I'm wearing in this season, right? Yes. But yesterday, she happened to comment. She goes, ooh, I like how you look in that shirt. So guess what I did? I wore it again today. You better believe it. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. <laughs> Come two. on. When the wife goes out of her way to applaud your appearance, you better believe you're going back to the well over and over again until she's sick of it. Yeah, so you, you might see this this Monday. You might see it next Monday. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what she likes about it because, you know, normally I'm a pretty, uh, you know, straight and narrow dresser in regards to I just wear polos, khakis, jeans, pretty simple yeah, stuff. the professional that you are. Basically stuff that I wore in middle school, high school, college. I've been wearing it all the same. Like sometimes I've gotten new clothes here or there, but it's basically the same style my whole life. Pretty, pretty consistent there. So uh, whatever this little plaid thing is, it's it's a new a new addition to the uh, to the Ooh. repertoire, and uh, I'm getting noticed. So <laughs> I like it. I'm getting noticed in the Johnson household, <laughs> but the beard doesn't go over very well, so I do need to shave the beard. So yeah, uh, so I'm anyway, a fan. I'm a fan. Thank you, thank you. Someone is. Um, all right, let's begin with with what we're convinced of, and, and you can leave your comments uh, as well. Uh, but but I got to start in the NFL. And yesterday, actually, at the end of the day, after I had watched football for a good bit of the day. Jody leans over. I was, you know, trying to spend some time with her, but the game was kind of on in the background. Uh, and she goes, "Do you ever get tired of watching football?" And I will admit this: there are times during the NFL season that I do get tired of football. It's like, man, I've watched so much, or maybe the games weren't that good, or whatever. But it's only week five, and so I'm convinced I am not tired of watching football. Thursday mm-hmm. night, Monday night, Sundays. Give me Saturdays. Friday night, App State plays Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesday night. All right. Uh, Let's go. I am not tired of football right now. And get this. The NFL has played 79 regular season games in 2021. This is courtesy of Pro Football Talk. Of those, 18 have been decided in the final minute of regulation or overtime. According to the NFL, that's the most ever in the first five weeks of a season. Also. 21 games have been decided by three points or fewer, tied for the most ever through five weeks. On Sunday, four such games happened. There also have been at least one overtime game every week, only the second time that's ever happened through five weeks. Come on. 
The NFL is here. The yep. NFL is back. It never really left. But let's go. I'm all in. And then you, we mentioned the college football weekend. Some great games, some upsets, yep. some down-to-the-wire uh, comebacks. We saw it. We saw it all. So am I tired of football? No. And I'm not tired of talking about it. So we're here <laughs> to talk more about it. So that's what that's I'm right. convinced of today, Luke. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on that. I'll get into my I'm convinced in a second. But I agree with you. I think this is a fascinating conversation because for you and me are both diehard sports fans. We are, our entertainment of choice is watching live sports. Now, certainly there's room for TV shows and movies, but live sports, you and I love it. Oh yeah. And we can indulge in unbelievable amounts of it relative to a, a less diehard sports fan. So Madeline, my wife has also asked, do you ever get tired of, of watching sports? <laughs> so this is a and, and, it, and it was a it was a neutral question, just out of curiosity. She was it was she wasn't trying to say, "Hey, we've had enough." But she's curious. Hey, you you love sports? Do you ever get tired of it? My answer is no. I grew up live sports guy. I come from a family who loves watching live sports. Even my mom, diehard sports fan. And wow. She because she's a her, her her dad, my grandpa longtime basketball coach. She grew up playing basketball, loves watching sports. So for me, I, I can't get enough. I can I can sit in front of the TV for hours, and I love watching sports even if my team's not in it. I just want to see a good game. If it's two teams that are playing that have nothing to do with my favorite team, I'm still watching. So it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where people who don't grow up around watching live sports, they realize what it means to be a diehard sports fan. And there really is not that often do you reach your limit. There's always more to watch. And it's amazing. <laughs> and you know what I'll say? Last year when sports kind of, you know, took a break with the because of the virus, there was a part of me that enjoyed the break. Like it kind of, it, it just allowed us to almost reset and almost reset our fandom to a certain extent and almost appreciate sports a, a lot more. And, and so now that, that sports are back in, you know, kind of normal routine, stadiums are packed and all that sort of thing, yeah. I, I think there's just this, this gratitude, this appreciation. And so my fandom is actually stronger now than even what it was two years ago type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that was that, that kind of reset. Sometimes it's nice to just get a reset in life. Um, so from, my, from my sports fandom perspective, that was the case. And, and so I'm, I'm all in. So yesterday – Great games in the NFL. I thought that Chargers-Browns game, maybe the best game of the day. Uh, but but I, but I want to talk about the, the Chiefs and the Bills. But before we do that, Luke, why don't you tell us what, what you are convinced of? Yeah, so mine's in the, in the football realm. And so Zach Calzada, A&M quarterback, who took down Bama, I'm convinced he is officially – he has reached sports immortality. He, can, he doesn't have to do anything – for the rest of his career, he will always be a legend. To to be to come in as a backup quarterback, to be unranked A and M, yeah, to beat number one Bama at home, to be Jimbo the first assistant, yes, of Saban, which is a, which is an absurd absurdity for Sab for that to last that long, Saban to be undefeated because he is an incredible coaching tree. Zach Calzada, he doesn't have to do anything. For the rest, I, of course, I want. I'm sure he wants to continue to improve on his success. But if he, do, if this is the last thing he does at A&M, he's forever a legend. I don't care what you tell me, he is forever an A&M legend. 
I am I am so convinced of that. I don't care if he has a, a horrific game next game. <laughs> he just beat number one Bama at home. He's a legend forever. So they, they never lose to unranked teams, and they never lose to his former assistants. And Bama had been playing great. And then Texas A&M coming off a loss. I mean, it was just all that happened. It was, it just was a, one it was of the craziest crazy. turnarounds. To, yeah. You lost at home to Mississippi State. Yeah, no and one then, expected this. And then you, your backup quarterback, you're missing other players. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was, it was glorious. So, so glorious. I, and I, I certainly don't compare it to your feeling of when App State beat Michigan because that's definitely a, a, a greater win. Yeah, you guys are in the same uh, conference. Yes. So, <laughs> so I, I, of course, App State beating Michigan is one of the greatest wins ever. But I will say, I, I, I experienced some of the glory that right. you experienced because of how unexpected, from a fan's perspective, A&M beating Bama was. So unexpected. So it, cool. it was amazing. Well, I am happy for you. I, I wasn't necessarily happy. I was, I was rooting against Texas A&M to lose last week. I love upsets. I love upsets across the board. I love surprises. And so yeah. uh, Texas A&M beating Alabama is a, is a win for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm in. And it makes it interesting now with the college football playoff. And so uh, we'll be talking about that, of course, as, as the weeks build up closer to that. So, uh, yeah, it, it shakes things up, which is, which is fun. Because it, it felt like, ah, it's just going to be Bama and Georgia. And that was, that was kind of all, all there was. Uh, and now there's some, some more intrigue, which is, right. which is cool. All right. So yesterday, Buffalo. They've now won four straight, surprisingly lost to Pittsburgh that first week, and, and now they're, they're doing well. They're, they're rocking and rolling. They're blowing teams out, and they yeah. deserve a ton of credit. I, I haven't necessarily been on that Bills bandwagon the last couple of years. One of the last guys to, to kind of give the thumbs up for, for Josh Allen, but he's the real deal. And, and he didn't the even deal. have to do a ton yesterday. Uh, the defense did a lot for, for Buffalo. But what I want to touch on today for Unpack This is I want to look at it from the Chiefs' perspective. So we give all the love to Buffalo, but for our, our Unpack This topic, which we take sports stories, relate them to the Bible, relate them to our own lives, the Chiefs had self-inflicted wounds. And we see this every week in sports, and you know, especially in football. And what usually is categorized as a self-inflicted wound is you know, turnovers and penalties. You know, things that, that you have some level of control of. You know, the defense makes plays and, and forces fumbles and, and grabs interceptions and puts themselves in position and, and all that sort of thing. But but ultimately, quarterbacks, you know, they're, they, they hold themselves responsible for interceptions. And then when it comes to penalties, it's a case of focus, self-discipline. Uh, you know, coaches get criticized when an offensive lineman jumps off sides, right or wrong, but it, but it kind of comes down to, you know, the culture of a team or, or how prepared teams are and how in sync everybody is. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, it, it, again, it falls into this idea of, of self-inflicted wounds. And so yesterday, the Chiefs, four turnovers, you know, two interceptions for, for Mahomes, a fumble, and then another fumble from uh, Byron P Pringle. And, and so here's, here's what KansasCity.com, uh, Herbie, I don't know his name, Teope, uh, this is what he writes. He says, the Chiefs, again, suffered through self-inflicted wounds. Pring Byron Pringle lost a fumble on a kickoff return. Mahomes threw a pick six in the third quarter. Mahomes threw another interception deep in Bill's territory to kill a potential scoring drive and lost a fumble late in the fourth quarter. 
The superstar quarterback now has an interception in four straight games, totaling six picks over that span. Wow. Um, and so, uh, and, and so these are the, the, the self-inflicted wounds. Um, and, and then, you know, basically Mahomes owns it. He says, it starts with me. I think three of them were on me. Um, and then he says, I have to correct that and I have to be better. It's something that I've not normally done in my career, but I have to reevaluate where I am, what decisions I'm making. Andy Reid added this game tonight. I came in thinking that we had a chance to win the game and we didn't handle ourselves the right way. We had too many penalties, turnovers. It's got to stop. It's hard to compete in this league by doing those things that we're doing. And so for us, as, as we try to encourage one another, as we start the week and, and look at our own lives, evaluate our own lives, how, how does a topic like this parallel uh, what we go through and experience each, each day and each week? And, and I think many of us, you know, we get frustrated about certain aspects of our life. We str- you know, we're, we're struggling with certain things. And we have to, to consider there are a lot of things out of our control. There are a lot of things that happen, unfortunate circumstances that we have to trust God and persevere, persevere through and depend on him uh, for, for strength and energy and, and hope. But there are also things in our life where it's a lack of self-discipline. It's we're forcing, tur- we're, we're, uh, we're giving up turnovers. We're, we're, we're allowing turnovers to happen. We're allowing these self-inflicted wounds based on the unwise, foolish decisions that we're making. And ultimately, you know, times where we're given into sin, we're given into selfish desires, and, and we're, we're allowing these, these quote-unquote turnovers uh, to derail our, our lives. And we're, and we're looking at things, we're frustrated, we're like, ah, what do we do? Well, it's kind of like looking at the, the, the quote from Mahomes um, and, and saying, I've got, I've got to do something about this. You know, I've got to reevaluate where I am what decisions I'm making. Hmm. And, and so oftentimes it's so easy for us to blame, right? We'll blame people. We'll, we'll, we'll look at all the, you know, the circumstances out of our control. And then that's what we're dwelling on. Whereas there are things that, that we can take ownership of and look at the, the game tape, so to speak and say, okay, I, I got to see things differently. Yeah. And, 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 and how do we see things differently? By reading God's word, hmm. by praying, by, by meditating on, on scripture and, and understanding, you know, how God is leading us, where he's leading us, and, and, and relying on, on his wisdom to help us make better decisions. Yeah. To see the defense, you know, to see the defense and the attacks that are coming at us, the enemy, the world, the selfishness, it's all coming at us, and it's easy to turn the ball over. It's easy to, you know, jump off sides, so to speak, and make those mm-hmm. mistakes in our lives, but, but we have to... Uh, uh, yeah, just address the self-inflicted stuff, the, the stuff yeah. that's unnecessary, the stuff that the, the stuff in our lives that we can eliminate, and and part of that is self-discipline and asking God to give us self-discipline, and and that's op- we have a better chance of that. We do uh, when we live in the Spirit. That's how we are enabled to do so. Because when we have the Spirit inside of us and we yield to the Spirit, then we experience the fruit of the Spirit, and and that's that's self self-control and, and part of that is self-discipline uh, as well. Um, and so uh, that's the encouragement for us today to, to not necessarily blame, uh, but, but to uh, allow, allow God and the Holy Spirit to empower and enable us to make wise decision, decisions, be self-controlled, be self-disciplined. Second Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardness or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. 
abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's the amplified version. So, uh, so just like a quarterback gets to the, gets to the line of scrimmage and sees the defense and yeah. wants to remain calm and not turn the ball over and throw interceptions and the, the offensive line doesn't want to jump off sides, you want to be wise and want to remain calm. Same, same for us as we uh, start another week. Uh, so, Luke, why don't you jump in? Um, yeah, this, I, the idea of film study, I think translates so well because yeah, a lot of, a lot of lack of, like in football, a lot of lack of self-discipline is, comes from lack of preparation and preparation in football is studying film as a quarterback. You got to watch film to know the defensive tendencies as a defensive back. You got to study film to know, okay, this is what. This is what formation. What this is what plays they run out of this formation. This is what the quarterback's tendencies are. It's the same thing for our life. Prepare a lot of preparation for us is studying the film of our life, and a lot because what a lot, a lot of sin, comes out of being in bad environments. So a lot of our preparation and and studying the film of our life is looking at our life and knowing okay what environments cause me or put me into positions that cause me to sin it's not a matter of okay well i know i shouldn't do this i'm just gonna try not to do it yes that's correct but take that a step further okay if i'm struggling with a certain sin what environments allow for that sin more what environments do i really struggle with to say no and i practical i i this I don't know. I don't know if speaking about this topic is cliche, but just an easy example is for someone who struggles with uh, over-consuming alcohol, it's not a matter of, okay, I just need to not get drunk. It's, okay, what environments do I struggle to say no? Mm. Uh, don't walk into a bar, especially by yourself. Uh, there's examples if you struggle with this sin. What environments should you try to avoid? And that takes evaluating your life and preparing and because a lot of, yeah again a lot of self-inflicted wounds are a lack of evaluation mm. and just kind of walking in blindly to environments yeah with good intentions but good intentions don't solve everything like it takes god's grace it takes studying god's word it takes asking god for wisdom hey god what environments do i maybe need to steer clear of in order to be more faithful to you and we can all think of those. We all have tendencies and temptations that really pull at us, and there are certain environments that allow for that pull to be stronger than others. So it really just takes evaluation. Uh, it's great. And the other way to look at it, and I don't want to put too much of this on, on the Chiefs, but this whole idea that you know the Chiefs have beat the Bills, they, they feel confident against the Bills, and you can almost uh, approach that game a little lackadaisical, maybe. I mean, they knew it was a big game and the Bills were coming in, but you have this kind of level, ah, we'll be, you know, we'll be fine. And sometimes we're, we're that way when we approach certain circumstances or situations like you, you mentioned, environments like you mentioned. Um, but we have to always be on guard and always, you know, take it seriously. And, and you know, like Mahomes doesn't normally struggle with turning the ball over. Um, he's, he's pretty steady and, you know, Tyree kills always involved and Kelsey and you kind of just, you expect it week in week out, but they still have to show up and, and remain self-disciplined and, and have self-control and, 
remain calm and those things. Yesterday was another opportunity for that, and, and it didn't happen. Um, and so, yeah, you, I, I don't know how much pride factored into that for them, but I do know that in our own lives when pride takes over, it definitely affects us. Yeah. Um, and, and we can, yeah, again, let our guard down. So just another kind of angle to, uh, to yeah, consider. Yeah, even, like, even things like such as penalties. Like, football teams struggling with false starts. Um, like it's everyone, all every broadcaster, every fan. Oh, okay. Where's the where's the preparation? Lack of discipline. Well, sometimes a lot of false starts are caused by you're at an away game, and the fans are so loud you can't hear the clap of the quarterback or you can't hear the cadence. You have to go silent count every every snap, and if if you don't know the environment you're walking into, you don't prepare for that. You're not going to be able to succeed. You can't just go into any environment and do the same thing. You have some in some football environments, especially with with a really passionate, loud home fan base. You're going to have to go silent count every time. Same thing That's... with us in life. We we need to be prepared for certain environments. Know which ones to avoid. Know which environments we need to maybe take a friend with us. Maybe walk in with a different mindset. Have different accountability parameters around us when we walk into certain environments. And again, all of it comes down to preparation and evaluation of our life. There you go. Well, good stuff. No, that's awesome. So uh, that devotional will go out today. If you haven't subscribed to the devotional, be sure to do so unpackingit.com slash subscribe. And so we love talking about it here on the show. And then we send out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, a written devotional uh, through your email, through email. So, Make sure you get that in your inbox. Luke wrote on Friday a, a great one uh, about his Cowboys. So he got that, he got that in. So, uh, so check, in. check that out on unpackingit.com. Speaking of the Cowboys, they win again. Uh, they beat the lowly Giants. We'll hear from Henry in just a little bit uh, about, oh, my goodness, all the injuries to the Giants. So oh. Cowboys kind of got a bye week last <laughs> on Sunday. But, uh, but you got I mean, to still be feeling good. You, you keep, keep winning and keep, keep moving forward. Yep. It's uh, I I would never wish injuries on another team. Like I, like some fans. Well, will, if there was a team, it'd be no. I'm just kidding. But like some fans cheer. Like I remember a couple years ago, I forget who the Warriors were playing, but was it Clay Thompson who got hurt? In the opponents, was it Raptors fans that were cheering? And then everyone on the Warriors were were like, I I can't remember exact the details, but. Cheering for another player to get injured, I think that's oh, you never want. No. You never want that. At the end of the day, you want both teams to be healthy, both teams to be able to compete at the best of their ability, and your team come out on top. That's right. That is what makes a great game. Yes. For the Giants, oh, to see Saquon get back and then just a fluke injury, I even as a Cowboys fan, I hate that. Yeah. I, because. Well, he's I've a big time player, and yeah, yeah. We need the stars out there. Yeah, anything of you like? I, I've had buddies. I mean, like in high school, when our, one of our like I've had teammates have fluke injuries, and it just it just sucks. Yeah, it's that like, was oh, he was just gosh. walking away. Yeah, it's just a that's just a brutal thing. So, yeah. um, but uh, let's just kind of go through a couple of the NFL storylines, and then I got a couple other topics I want to get to. But yeah, it's just like a loaded. We have a loaded show. There's so much happening this weekend. Um. But but as far as the the Panthers go, I'll start there because that's my yeah. team. Uh, I had a, I had a buddy over. We watched the game, and so I was focused on that one a little bit more this week. But um, I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions about Sam Darnold or, or or Matt Rule. It's like you know, the, the, 
I'm going to throw out the cliche like I did a couple weeks ago. The jury's still out on, on both these guys. Like, they, they both still have lots to prove uh, because they, they haven't done it. Matt Rule hasn't done it on, on the NFL level yet. And so he's got to take a team to the playoffs before we're convinced that, that he, he can do it, right? He's got to do it. So, yep. uh, you know, yesterday's game against Philly, the Panthers should have won. They outplayed Philadelphia. They made Jalen Hurts, the defense for the Panthers played great and made Jalen Hurts struggle. And they could never get things going. And then the Panthers have this inability to win the third quarter and blow teams out. They they were they should have blown the Panth- uh, the Eagles out, and they did not do it. They allowed the Eagles to hang around, and then the Eagles beat them in the fourth. And, and it was a frustrating loss. You know, last week against Dallas, I didn't think the Panthers would win. I thought Dallas was a better team traveling to Dallas. Ah, I wasn't that bothered. But yesterday, losing to the Eagles, where my family lives, I never have to hear the end of it. Oh, my that's right. So, oh. so get this. So, so your uncles, neighbor, right? Your uncles, have they given you some some fun well, phone they, calls? Yeah. So I think they're counting on some Krispy Kreme donuts coming up their way. But <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, I told you I like the bet, but I think my dad may have may have put the uh, and, loop, and loop you into the line. Um, otherwise, we get tasty cakes. So uh, we we missed out on this, some delicious Philly tasty cakes. Ooh. But but the, the this is the big story. So. My, my neighbor is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So yesterday, uh, as I'm driving to church, I, he's going to the game. And so I'm, I'm, I yelled to him, hey, you're going down, and gave him a hard time. And so he went to the game. But here's the takeaway. He texts me after the game, and he texts me just a W, which was, which was uh, that's pretty strong. That's, that's a pretty, very uh, strong. That's one very letter, strong. One letter, W, yeah. there you go. Nothing else to say. Let the W no. speak for itself. Now, but then, but then he he texts me later that he felt like there were more Eagles fans at the Panthers game, so this is in Charlotte, and that it was electric. And I've got a major problem with this. This is very upsetting, and we've been dealing with this in Charlotte for a long time because interesting, this is a, a melting pot pot city where a lot of people from the north moved to Charlotte because That's Charlotte's true. the best. When, when I was there. The amount of Washington fans I met was absurd. Well, so Washington fans are here because there was no Panthers team. So those might actually be Charlotteans or people that were that that grew up around here. Hmm. Whereas so Washington was like the home team essentially. That was the closest team here. Um, I guess Atlanta kind of, but people sided with Washington. Um, but then over the years, people moved down here from Buffalo. So lots of Bills fans, Pittsburgh, Hmm. Steelers fans. Ohio, so we've got all sorts of Ohio State fans and Browns fans. So we love them all. They're all my friends. These are all great people. My, I love my neighbors, Eagles fans. But the problem is when we have home games, now all of a sudden the stadiums are taken over. By, you know, the one time, so my my you know neighbor, he couldn't wait to see his team because he doesn't get to watch them every week in person. So they're going to do whatever they can to be there. But hmm. what happens is Panthers fans give up their season tickets because they, they, they make more money by selling the tickets to the visiting teams that make their, you know, one trip every couple of years. Oh. And so when the Giants are in town or the Jets, even the Jets get a ton of fans, it's a nightmare. So they, they take over the crowd. And so wow. it's, it's unfortunate because you can't imagine that ever being the case at Lambeau, in Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. Dallas. You know, that's that type of thing. Now, you see it in L.A., uh, because they, they haven't built up their fan base fully yet, especially yeah. the Chargers. Chargers have them. no fan base. So... Uh, you know, wherever the Raiders show up, they always seem to take over uh, stadiums as well. Um, so, I, you know, I'm just curious for for other sports fans, your your take on this, because it's hard for me to criticize 
my neighbor for wanting to go to the game. Of course he wants to go to the game. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. I don't even know who to, who to complain to or who to criticize. It's just an unfortunate situation that their fans, the Eagles fans got the momentum going and the Eagles were able to come back in this game and actually get the win over the Panthers, even That's though crazy Panthers outplayed them for most of the game. And it was a home game. I, I wonder how many, I'd be interested to know if for, for other people watching or listening, do you live in a city where there is there's not that huge of home court home field advantage? Because yeah. I'm trying to I wonder what other cities experience. Yeah, because Charlotte, obviously, what you said deals with that. Now, definitely the Chargers. I mean, when when Dallas, I don't know if Dallas is a great example because there's a lot of Dallas fans everywhere. Yeah, but Dallas completely took over uh, at the Chargers home game. So I wonder what other cities experience that. Because I can think of of cities, it's easier to think of cities where it's nowhere close. I think of even in the NBA, Spurs games, no ch- it's only Spurs fans. That's their yeah. only team there. Trailblazers games, that's their only team in that city. But no Old- one's moving to Portland and no one's moving to San Antonio, right? Well, so as I will say people are moving to San Antonio. There it's are actually they? it's it's a, it's growing. Um but it's with with one team there, it's so local. There's not a there's you can't take over as another fan base. Well, plus they've but won I, five championships. That's true. The Panthers haven't won a Super Bowl. So yeah, you're right. Like Charlotte's in an area where you can you have people moving from the north. I mean, when I was there again, the the, the conversation was always yeah, a lot of people are moving here. They're coming down to Florida. Some people are stopping in the Carolinas, and there's a lot of people retiring and coming down from the from northeast so that's interesting i wonder what other what yeah, other so cities experience to, that it, it's the best place to live but our, our home field needs some work and so that yeah. was uh that was unfortunate yesterday uh, but i still think the panthers are a wild card team i still think the defense is, is gonna you know, keep the panthers in every game and i just think they've got to figure out that third quarter and they got to figure out how to let sam darnold loose even even with the lead you can't you can't start uh, getting safe and and worrying too much, uh, you know. Oh no, we got. I don't know. It's just like it's just, allow the game to continue the way that it was through the first two quarters. The Panthers have started games well and playing great. Third quarter, third going. quarter against Dallas too. Nightmare. Yes, keep it going. I just it's just frustrating. So, um, a lot of other uh, games from the weekend. Um, I, f- I still feel bad for Detroit. Every week I feel bad for Detroit. I can't oh. believe they, they lost again on a field goal. And now the one bright spot, Hawkinson, last two weeks has been <sighs> so quiet in fantasy, which is does. devastating for me. But. Me too. I have Hawkinson in like three or four leagues, so it's oh. very frustrating. Um, but speaking of the kickers, so I, what a crazy day with missed extra points, 12 missed extra points. That Cincinnati and Green Bay game was Oops, I have, I have, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. Kickers no. on both teams, yeah, having the yips. It was unbelievable. It really was. So a couple things. I, I, I was listening to Rex Ryan, and he was saying he never would have gone back to Mason Crosby because he had already missed, I think, three, and then they, he ended up hitting the game winner. So one, I, I, I agree with Rex Ryan. I never would have let him kick again. And two, no one should have celebrated with Mason Crosby. They should have left him to celebrate alone. <laughs> Because he, you can't, I don't. That he shouldn't get credit for that one, that the final one that he made because he already missed the other one. He already had a chance, so in overtime. So don't give me, don't give me that. I also think 
if you miss an extra point as a kicker, you forfeit that week's paycheck. You don't get paid. <laughs> so what if he missed two? Because he missed two, right? Cut. The Bengals kicker, I think, missed two extra points. You most likely get cut, but like Mason Crosby is kind of a, you know, I don't, I don't want to even use the he word. He has a lot in. of, he has a lot of street cred because yes. of how many game winners he's kicked. So I'll let, I'll let you finish your thought, and then I have a, a nuanced response. Okay. So I, if you miss an extra point, you don't get paid. That because you have to hit extra points. This, this is this is laughable. Um, and so. One other thing just is me me sitting on the couch thinking I have all the answers uh, and that I could do this. Of course I could kick a 35 extra point, right? Uh, <laughs> the other thing that I could do, speaking of the Panthers game, there was a play where the Panthers ended up getting a safety because they couldn't grab the ball. To me, I never understand why the fumble is so difficult to squeeze. It's like the ball is just covered in grease. I, I said mayonnaise when I was watching it. It's just covered in mayonnaise. I mean, you guys are wearing these sticky gloves, and you can't grab the football. Listen, again, I'm an unathletic, now, you know, 35-year-old, out-of-shape, unathletic clown from my couch, from my recliner, yelling at the TV saying, be an athlete, pick up the ball. <laughs> be an athlete, pick Is up the ball. Is that really what being an athlete means, though? Because yes. be an athlete. You're on the field. I mean, I promise when I used to play in the back of the yard, it wasn't that difficult to grab the football. I just don't understand it. So anyway, so that's my, uh, those are my uh, Inter- okay. so, strong takes. As a, as a fan, it, for, for a player, and this is elementary knowledge, fumble, you fall on it. You don't try to pick it up because for some reason, a bouncing football, hard to pick up on the run. Even like in baseball, ground balls, a moving ball, hard to pick up. A football... I, the amount of the, – the temptation is there. As a lineman, oh, my gosh, I can score a touchdown here. I can pick this up and take it to the house. But then it's everyone has a case of stone hands, and yeah. it just ricochets off their hands. Just fall on the ball. Just fall on it. No one can pick it up. So about kickers, I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say you can't go to him again <clears throat> or he should celebrate alone. Definitely celebrate alone. I'm There's that. the psychology of being a kicker is so interesting because as a coach, if you decide to go away from him in a way that takes his confidence, he could be done for the season. When some kickers, when they lose confidence, they can't kick again. It's, it's unbelievable because oh, I really – to be a coach, you have to be very careful on how you coach your kicker or how you take the keys away from him because when you want to give the keys back to him, he may not have it in him. When confidence is taken away, the the simplest of kicks all of a sudden start missing wide left and wide right. So I, I, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. I was trying to think this week. Is there... In comparing a kicker versus a quarterback, you always hear the the, the most high-pressure position in sports is an NFL quarterback. They get all the blame. They get all the praise. Everything's their fault. But is there more pressure on a position like a kicker where perfection is expected? Yeah. Because as a quarterback, perfection's not expected. 
you know it's one of the hardest positions in all of sports. You can throw a pick. You can you can lose a game. You're fine. You can bounce back from that. That's expected to have errors. As a kicker, you're expected to make every in, in the NFL every extra point. Yeah. And most kicks within 43, 44 yards. There's yep. some grace if you missed a 50 yarder, but you're expected to be pretty much perfect. And I, I, you could argue that that's more pressure than than playing quarterback. Ooh, more pressure. Um, I think because the there's no well, pressure of perfection as a quarterback. There is pressure on. Yeah, no, I, I am agree. here. I am here to be perfect. I'm not here to miss kicks. I'm here to be perfect. True, and yeah, that's then, hard. So the uh, the kicker and the long snapper as well. Like JJ Jansen, who's 100%. a friend of the show and, and been the Panthers long snapper for a long time. Like he's got this incredible streak of just perfect long snaps. There's and, no there's oh. no grace for for missing one. So I went to high school with A and M's long snapper. Um, so I can imagine the pressure game winning field goal against Bama. There is no grace if he would have missed that snap. Yeah. Now I I, I for me I would have given him grace because I know him. And I know how, that that's a hard that's a hard thing to do to be a long snapper. But from yeah, but a lot of fans, a lot of fans, coming, like you, you are you have the control of it. So yes, but there's still it's the same thing as standing over a three foot putt in golf when it's when something so you're expected to make something like that. Yeah, every time it's easy to get in your head, and it's, it's easy with free throws. Yes, free throws. with free throws, hundred percent. I guess I have a I ha, I don't have when it comes to grace for those sports moments i don't have much for you like i i expect you to hit free throws i expect you to hit the three foot putt and i expect you to hit field field goals so again yeah. i'm on the couch i'm watching so i can't do it yeah. <laughs> but i don't I think there's grace for a, a 50 percent free throw shooter i mean if you're in the nba come on you got to hit free you, throws you got to shoot you can't shoot 50 percent from the line that, yeah. that's absurd but i don't know to be to be a long snapper to be a kicker there's no room for mistakes your your teammates view you as you go out and do this perfect every time. That's why you're on the team. But so my whole take is so in fantasy, I eliminate kickers. And and so I, I'm fine removing them. But I, you know, I love them as individuals, like I always say. But uh even in those moments, and this is what Rex Ryan was saying, just let Aaron Rodgers go score a touchdown. That and that's what I prefer too. I can't stand when teams settle for the field goal. Like keep playing and go try to score a touchdown. And then, so then that's what they do. They're like, all right, we're just going to, and they limit themselves. Like we're getting to the 35 yard line or whatever it is to kick a field goal versus no, no, no. Just throw the ball a little bit further and go try to score. Now it's easier said than done again, but I, I think they rely, they put all that pressure on the kicker to be perfect and to hit it. And then you, of course you're factoring in wind and weather and the, the, the other team calling a timeout and all sorts of goofy stuff, but, but go score, man, go, go get into the end zone. So, um, that's 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 where I come out on it. So so are you anti kicking a field goal on second down? Depending uh, yeah. on time. Yeah, go score a touchdown. And it, to me, even if you if your quarterback makes a mistake, I'd rather I'd rather he make the mistake. I'd rather have the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands. So we, this is probably the last time we had this conversation was <laughs> during the playoffs with Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, please give the ball to, to Aaron Rodgers. True. So, uh, that's that's always where I'm going to come out on that. Um, all right, I got one other. Uh, Take I want to get off my my chest. Actually, gosh, I have like two. Um, Come on, bring. Let's hear I'm all loaded, the takes. That's why I'm we're lo- here. Loaded up today. All right, so I'm watching the Penn State Iowa game. So this must have ended. 
This was in the afternoon on Saturday. So I'm watching that game, and Iowa rushes the field after beating. So they, they were number four, and Penn State was three. Is that right? They were four and three. So they're, they're either that or the early. reverse, but they were one was four and one was three. Yeah, Henry confirmed. I forget who was three or four, but but either way, it doesn't it doesn't matter that much. But the fact that Iowa rushed the field when they won a game at home, a game that they absolutely should win and can win and need to win and and all that, it wasn't a crazy upset. It rubs me the wrong mm. way when I watch it. However. If I am a student in that stadium, I am absolutely rushing the field because there's nothing like it. There's, there's, mm. It's a big moment. It's an important game. And when I was at App State, at App State and rushed the field, I only rushed the field one time for a, a playoff game and then two times when we won the championship. Never during the regular season, I don't think. Um, so there are those moments that you can never get back. You, you could say like, oh, we'll do it. You know, we'll save this opportunity when we do have a big upset. But you may never get that chance again. So that's your one chance. As a student, you only go to school for four years, ideally. And, and so that you, you absolutely do it. But from the optics of it, rushing the field is questionable to me. And then same with you with Texas A&M. It was a huge win. Just last week, you're a ranked team, and, and so you want to be like you want to be considered in the same conversation as Alabama. You want to be respected as Alabama. You don't want to be viewed as some run-of-the-mill, lower-class team that doesn't expect to beat Alabama. So to me, that's what rushing the field kind of represents. Mm-hmm. Just somebody tuning in, watching it, and going, oh, look at the cute little team, and all their fans are so excited for this big win. Interesting. They didn't expect it to happen, which – is absolutely true, but I'm 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 breaking it down in, in a lot of different different ways here. Um, so again, if I'm in the crowd, I absolutely do it. But I also think I'm justified to question and criticize the fans that want to be considered, you know, upper echelon. And if you're Iowa, you absolutely expect to beat Penn State. Come on. Yeah. I I think I really like this take because you have to you have to acknowledge both sides. I agree with you. As a fan, you just want to be on the field. Yeah, come on, justify anything. You yeah, you want to be on the field. That's the only time you'll ever be on the same field as some of the best athletes in the world. Any excuse to get on the field, you're going to take it. Now, whether you're the first person to start it, that's another question. But if people are running on the field, absolutely, I don't care what just happened. I'm running on the field or the court. But. You are right with the optics of fans storming the court, rushing the field, is a team just won who has no business ever being on the same field as the team they just beat. It's a miracle. It'll n- probably never happen again, or it's going to take a long time. And there, like the, the dichotomy between the teams, is, is the separation's huge. And a, a miracle win. And that's the optics of storming the field. So... It's hard because watching the A&M Bama game, I know I had plenty of friends at the game, and they rushed the field. And would I have rushed the field? Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Be- especially going to the game, it was so lopsided of expectations. Yep. But now the days after, we just rushed the field, and but this the whole last two years and the expectation for the future is A&M wants to be a premier program to compete with the Bamas of the world. Correct. But yet 
we're rushing the field as, as in like we sh- we shouldn't belong with him and we don't belong with him. So it's it's hard. It's almost like in, it can be embarrassing. Didn't wasn't didn't UNC rush storm the court against Duke like years ago? I, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know if it was UNC Duke. Like yeah, but was... if you're if you're a premier team, you should your fans should not rush storm the court. Because it's not that's not reserved for you unless you win the whole thing. Like if you once you finally win the whole thing, you absolutely you know rush the yeah. streets or rush. The but like court, a regular a regular season or a conference yeah. game, if you're a conference premier game. program, you a don't conference you, game. Oh, it's you, tough. But uh, Bama fans will never rush the field. They never. should never rush the field ever. No matter who they beat, outside of a championship game, of course, but conference game, I don't care who you beat. As a Bama fan, you should never rush the field. Even even Alabama, I feel like they barely celebrate a championship because it's like, all right, we're on to the next one. Like, let's, we got it. We got it. This is what we were supposed to do. We're on to the next one. It's tough. It's tough being it, Bama. It's hard because that much. as a fan, you want to you want to have a moment to rush the field because you want the feeling of pulling off a miracle. You Again, as a fan, you want to be on the field. But again, Historically, what is rushing the field, storming the court for? It's for a miracle win, a team that has no business being on the same court as their opponent, and they somehow win, and the fans storm the court, rush the field. So, I don't know. It, it's tough. Like I, we, of course, I understand every A and M fan rushing the field. I would have done the same thing, but it's tough to justify and say in the same breath. A and M yes. wants to be a premier program. Oh, that, and that's we're, my big thing. Yeah. And you definitely can't say A and M has arrived. No, if your fans right. are rushing the field for a conference <laughs> game, you can't say a and arrived That's in the right. eyes of a fan. If you That's rush right. the field, you, then you can't go on and say, oh, but we, we've arrived as one of the best teams in the country. Yep. You, you yep. can't have both. There you go. So that's my that's my uh, my takeaway on that. Uh, we'd love to know your thoughts, though. If you're watching or listening later, let, let me know. Where, what, what has your experience been rushing the field, rushing the court? When is it OK? When is it not OK? Not to mention how dangerous it is. I mean, just think how insane it is that all these crazy fans are down there with the players and coaches yeah. with like three or four police officers. I mean, it's <laughs> it's nuts. Imagine being so, claustrophobic. Oh my gosh. And, I was I was actually thinking about that as well on Saturday night. Like, how does it eventually end? Like, how do you get out? Do you then walk back up the stadium? I don't know. It's because the one well, time as a I, as a player, you have no chance. Oh yeah. man! A and M players were getting picked up, which they probably loved. But I don't know. Okay, what was your experience taking down the goalpost at App State? So, yeah. so what uh, we got? I, I, you have to say uh, talk about some of that, given what we're discussing here. So, what well, was that like? You gotta go listen to the sermon that I did because I did. I, I told the whole story of that uh, this summer. But um, when when I was a freshman at App, so this was before I was full on the. Well, I guess I was doing some broadcasting then, but. After that, after that season, I ended up being the play-by-play guy, so I, I wasn't in the crowd as often. So I fully embraced the experience. We tore down the goalpost. It was the game before. The, it was the game we won to go to the championship, the national championship. And so we ended up tearing the goalpost down, and we took it all over campus. So it was it was nuts. And I just remember at one point finally realizing, like after maybe an hour or so, thinking, "What am I doing? I need to go get dinner." 
I need to go to the bathroom. Like, what am I doing with my life? I'm just carrying a goalpost around. I'm taking it into the gymnasium, into the into the cafeteria, into the library. What are we doing? You're just a follower. Uh, I'm just yeah, doing what everyone else is follower. doing. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, it was, it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, especially as a freshman. You just soak that in. Um, Seriously. Good. No. Welcome to college moment. That's right. That's right. So that was that was pretty sweet. But uh, but yeah, I'll I'll, sh- I'll tell the, the longer story for another day. But uh, that's the gist. That's the gist of it. That was my my big chance. So the uh, the other quick takeaway that that I have from the weekend. Th- this went viral, and so f- for whatever reason, Dan Mullen, the head coach at Florida, he's kind of been in hot water this year, just with Florida not playing as well as expected. But there they were at halftime, up twenty one to zero against Vanderbilt. And he gives this short, disrespectful halftime interview. All right. And he just says uh, one of his responses was awful. And then the other response was play better. And, and so those are the two questions. Those are the two answers to the two questions that this, you know, sideline reporter asked him. And eventually the girl, you know, the woman, she just gave up. She's like, all right, just go, go have fun. So I think she said, have fun. Like, have fun in the locker room or enjoy. Go enjoy. Go enjoy yourself. You're miserable. Get out of here. Um, and, and so here, here's what I, I, I wonder. First off, anytime I'm going to criticize somebody, I want to take a, a look in the mirror. How often are we short-tempered and, and short with people when we're frustrated and things aren't going exactly how we want and we give disrespectful answers to our wives or – kids or whatever, whoever we may be interacting with. So we're all, we're all guilty of this and it's not a great characteristic and it's just, we gotta be, we gotta be better about that. But, but I I get, I get annoyed with head coaches that, that disrespect the sideline reporters. Now, sometimes sideline reporters ask dumb questions and, and I get it, but you're the head coach of a university. You, you represent the program. You're, you're a leader People are looking to you like recruits are watching you. And when you give these these just an annoying sideline interviews, I think it's it's a bad look. I really do. To me, when you rise above the moment, when when you're and this guy's up 21, nothing. But but even if you're losing in a game and you still give a, a, a respectable answer, it can still be a cliche, but you don't have to yell at the reporter. You don't have to be yeah. short dismissive like. Like, oh, I don't have time for this. No, no, you know what? You do have time for it because you're getting paid. You're the only one making all the money because the university isn't paying the players. So they might be making money now with NIL. You're the one making all the money. So y- you can step it up. Um, and so I, I don't like it. And then, you know, Greg Popovich is and Henry brings up him. That's like another story because it's like NBA and it's, it's different. To me, college coaches, they, they, they need to be held to a separate standard, I think. Um, but the other thing, so that's my my one side of it. The other side of it, just eliminate the halftime interviews. Uh, okay, no, more. that that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted no to more. bring up. So, so I I'm torn between. I agree. As a college coach, you've got to be able to rise above the moment. It's not like this is your first time. You know what you're stepping into. It's either you don't have to feel the need to be disrespectful. You also don't have to feel the need to be Mister Cool Tough. I'm just going to roast my players guy. Like, I feel like that's become a bit. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to be the guy that says everything's awful. There's always something we're doing terrible. As in, like, that's the awesome. I'm a great coach for saying my players have done terribly. I Enough with that. I'm torn between that and the, the per- perspective of, as a reporter, 
what do you really expect to get out of this interview? And and what is the point? As a as a as a person watching the the telecast, do I care what the coach says it as he's rushing into halftime to hear what his assistant coaches have to say, to analyze? What do I really expect to hear? Nothing. No. At at best, at best you get a cliche that really means nothing. And at worst, you get some some frustrated answer that just becomes clickbait for the rest of the week. Yep. Also what I don't care about. So I'm like, what is the point of this? You know what ends up being more effective in NFL games coming out of halftime? They'll usually send it down to Aaron Andrews or, or a sideline reporter, and they will say, I just talked to you know head coach Mike McCarthy, and this is what he told me about the first half. And because it's off camera and and I think they get more information that way and sometimes it's like coming out of halftime even um it's it, it, that might be a better route to go even though we don't see the coach but but here's just a quick it, I, even an encouragement for all of us it's when I'm when I watch some of these coaches it's not even necessarily what they say it's how they say it and I remember getting that marriage advice it's not so much what we say to our wives but it's how we say it and when yeah. we say it too is another thing yeah. And now, now with my little daughter, Maddie, who's uh, she's delving into the terrible twos and kind of being uh, disobedient at times. So it's, it's so important with how I say things. And, and so if I stay calm and, 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 you know, speak kindly to her, even though I'm frustrated on the inside, it, it goes over better. And I, I come across better. And so yeah. same with these head coaches, like just, dude, you're on TV. Millions of people are watching. Don't be a jerk. Just, just be be calm, and yes, we you know we're up twenty-one nothing, which sounds good on the scoreboard. We've got to make some changes in, in, in halftime. We got to work on our run game. We got to get some stops on defense, but we'll get better in the second half. Thank you, you know, and and that's fine, right? I like, and I, yes, I, and I agree with that. I agree with that. We're playing football here. This isn't you're not you're, you're not getting out of surgery. That's you, you're not you're not determining you know. Uh, whether or not we're going into war. I mean, you're not making big time decisions. You're deciding whether or not to run the ball or pass the ball on third down. Chill out, man. So I agree. I agree. Coaches, just say a respectful answer. Get in the locker room. You know what what you're walking into. But then I I can't say that with then also saying, why do we have to have that in the first place? Yes. They're not going to say anything that is – like we're not they're not going to walk into the interview and say and give you this elaborate amazing third da- our third down offense analysis. That's right. First of all, they're not going to share overshare because they still have a half of a game to play. And two, they're walking in to do analysis. So I True. don't know. So yeah, yeah. So let's just eliminate I'm I'm with you. Let, let's eliminate the halftime And then interview. the Greg Popovich thing has just become a bit where it's like yeah. it's we don't even get, we don't care anything about it. We just we like seeing the, and now it's now like it's disrespectful, but not. It's now it's like funny. Or yeah, I, well, I, I personally don't Sanders. think it's great. Like poor David Aldridge. Like, what are we getting out of that? Do we like just yeah? We'll send him down there to get fake disrespected by Greg Popovich because that's what we all want to see. No, that's, hey, can, let's hear it. let's hear a mic'd up, um, like halftime. Or play, coach talking to his players. I don't want to hear a, a, a 10 second interview with Popovich. Well, I just wish that all these guys would realize that this is one big TV show. Like, this is like we're all in, in this together. Like, we're viewers 
we're in this, so we're committing our time and we're having to sit through the commercials and well, I always DVR and fast forward, but in theory, you know, yeah. that's, that's what we're doing. I still have to watch all the other, you know, presented by. So, I mean, that's all part of the deal. So as a coach, you're, you're, you got to do the interviews and you got to talk to the media. It's part of the deal. So let's, let's stick together on this. Sports are wonderful. Like we started the show with, let's just each know our role. Let's be, let's be kind. That's so, true. You got it. That's a, I do have to find myself returning. Like, returning to that perspective on realize what I'm watching. So you're right. It is at the end of the day, it's entertainment and the TV people have a bottom line. They have to meet. However, they get more clicks, more views is great. That's their perspective. Me as a sports purist, I just want to watch the game. I want to see how players are competing. I don't care about the fluff. I just have to get through it. It's going to be there regardless. (laughs) I have to work around it sift through it so I can get to the actual game, which is what I care about. I don't, I don't care go. at all about the fluff. Oh, I like the fluff. I'm a fluff guy. You give are a fluff, fluff guy. Give me the but fluff. You, I want the stories. I want the personalities. I'm in for that. You're like, a semi, you're a semi fluff. I don't think you're so fluff. You're not a clickbait guy, but uh, not real click. Well, I've, somehow I found the Dan Mullen clip cause that was clickbait, but yeah, eh. in general, I'm, I'm in for everything except for the commercials. How about <laughs> That's that? Right. Um, or, and the kickers. Other than that, you're I'm, anti. I'm, you're anti kicker, though. That's right. Um, all right, let's uh, let's bring on Henry. We got a lot. We got a lot to get into with uh, with Henry. Uh, your Giants not only lost the game, you lost all your players. It seems like things are are getting getting worse. How you feeling, Henry? You all right? You look clean shaven. Coming back that's from right. Bry- Bryce has got the five o'clock shadow. Henry's coming in with a crisp fresh cut. <laughs> Yeah, coming off coming off the the wedding the wedding weekend with the fresh cut. Uh, shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Brian and Victoria Goralnik. Uh, they tied the knot this past weekend. Love you guys. Uh, went all the way up to New Hampshire for the wedding, and the, the place was beautiful. But it was a heck of a time getting there. Even with our SUV, we had to kind of go to like every back road and back road that you didn't think was a back road. I thought I was going to actually come up on somebody's house trying to drive, trying to drive up to the to the reception hall. But all in all, it was it was a great weekend. That's awesome. To me, that means it's a great wedding. If they found some remote place, some unique location, that's fun. I'm, yeah, I'm okay it, with that. You want to talk about remote? It was on the. It was. It was a great venue, and it was sitting on the top of a hill. Ooh. And my wife, in her heels, had to walk the hill just to get to Ooh. the actual place where the ceremony was taking hold. Was uh, was happening? Can't go heels for an outdoor wedding. Come on, Henry. No, we didn't even. We didn't know it was an outdoor wedding. It was in New Hampshire for oh, for no. you guys. For you guys, Bryce. For you, that's like going into the backwoods of Richmond, Virginia, Ooh. and for a three-hour trip and for and for luke that's like you going to the backwoods of oklahoma city Ooh. and i'm like for for three hours and we, we we're thinking it's gonna be in a nice hall we're thinking it's gonna be lights and cameras and lights and everywhere but no we're on grass i'm in a new suit hmm. i'm in a new suit new shoes and we're on grass <laughs> but you made it through you survived but we, it was but, fun. But we made it through we survived it was a great wedding shout out to both of those guys love you both and let's get into tap drill. Now, I'm going to call a bit of an audible because you guys were talking about storming the field. Now, we were talking about the Aggies and, of course, uh, Luke's Aggies beating Alabama. Now, let me give you the other side. In the Northeast, we had a game. Uh, we had a game this past weekend, not this weekend, but the weekend before. Well, actually, it was this past weekend. We had 
uh, UConn versus the University of Massachusetts. Now, in what at, sport? In, in football, believe it or not. And you know exactly where teams? I'm going. They have football you, teams. Yeah, they, the both of them have football teams. Yes, UConn nice. and UMass do have football teams. And and Bryce, your tone is exactly where I was going. <laughs> UConn at the time was zero and six. Mm. UMass was zero and five. So we have a battle of teams that haven't won the season. As a matter of fact, UMass hasn't hadn't won a game in like two years. They were over their last sixteen. Ooh. UMass winds up beating UConn. And UMass stormed the field. So what do you think of an 0-16 team storming the field for their first win? Yeah, take advantage. Take advantage. That's your, that's your one shot at winning. Go for it. That's, that's a painful game all around. I can only imagine there were 50 people that did it. So that was... It may not be a full field like the end zone was stormed. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't a storm. It was a light rain. They light rained the field. <laughs> drizzled. Drizzled. I will say this. You could still see the end zones on both sides of the field. So that's how little people there actually were on the in the game. That's oh, funny. That's All the family members. That's that's mean. I, that's that's exciting for them. That's good. <laughs> All right, going back to I'm the NFL. Today. I'm a little salty today. <laughs> Going back to the NFL, we had a whole bunch of good games in the NFL, just as you guys uh, predict, just as you guys talked about. And one of the games was the Browns and the Chargers. Now, with two minutes to go and the Chargers on like the two yard line, what the Chargers were going to do was they were just going to hike the ball, kneel down, and try to milk the clock. But what the Browns' defense did was they literally dragged Austin Eckler into the end zone. Yep. And so with two minutes left, unfortunately, the Browns didn't wind up winning the game. But what do you think of the Browns dragging Eckler into the end zone to get the ball back? So very, very torn on this play. So Austin Eckler is on my fantasy team. The, uh, The fantasy football fellowship team that I represent, the L.A. Chargers, so I wanted them to score and, and get a touchdown. But on the play before, Eckler actually did kneel down. Like he, yeah. he, he held up before getting into the end zone. So I'm like, oh, man, what a smart play. But, no, oh, I want you to score. And so then the next player is doing it again. And so I was actually glad that Cleveland pushed him in. Uh, and I think that was a smart play for them. And it was one of those things where Eckler, I'm sure, is thinking, well, it'd be great to get a touchdown but let them do it so I could still be the, the smart player, but let, let them be the ones. And I'll also say this. Years ago when I was a, a terrible football player and rode the pine at the end of the, the game, uh, team, teams would tell me or my coach would say, hey, whatever you do, don't score. Uh, what did I do? I scored a touchdown. So even in those moments, y- your, your default is to go score a touchdown. Like when you're that close, you want to get in. So I'm sure Eckler deep down it's hard. wanted to score a touchdown. Right? It feels like you're sabotaging the team. That, that, so you, you were a dual sport athlete, swimmer and football player. All right. <laughs> nice. And now he's, a, he's, now he's recreational swimmer and also lumberjack. Dual sport, <laughs> dual sport, baby. That's going to be on like the national wood cutting, lumber cutting company. I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever used an axe. Not officially. Maybe once. Anyway, genius. And I say that because I have such baggage and scar tissue from Aaron Rodgers having any time against Dallas in a couple years ago in the playoffs. I think he had like 38 seconds, gave him the ball. 
two passes later, field goal range, absurd. So let him you, score. You can't give anyone any time because on it, 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 you get the ball, you kick off, you get the ball at the twenty or twenty-five. Two passes later, you could be in field goal range. So it's really not you really don't need that much time to score. So you should try to you should try to give the least amount of time possible to the opponent, especially in the NFL. Little known fact on one of the um, on the 2011 Super Bowl when the Giants beat the Patriots, Ahmad Bradshaw got that handoff, and Eli Manning is yelling at him to go down. And by the time he realizes it, he falls into the end zone, and then that gave Bill Belichick like about a minute and a half, I think it was, to come down the field, and that's when uh, they the Giants won the game when they uh, when they missed the hail mary. So this is not this probably started with Bill Belichick telling his team just go ahead and let him in. Yeah. So yeah, I understand the strategy. That, that's all right. That was such a high scoring game. They're going back and forth. It was almost who was going to have the ball last. Who's going to have the ball last? Exactly. But Cleveland exactly. wasn't able to do it. They weren't able to do it. All right. Here's the last tap, and and all we're since we're talking about taps, let's go to the NBA. And so now we all have, know about the drama between Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons has already gone on record saying, I'm not going to show up to practice. I'm not going to show up to training camp. I'm not going to show up to any preseason games. I want you guys to trade me. So he goes home to L.A., and he even tells the team, don't bother trying to fly out here because, in essence, I'm not answering the door. (laughs) So the Sixers decide, okay, the $8.3 million that you were due on what is it, October 1st or November 1st or whatever date you were supposed to get it. Yeah, you're not going to get that. So we're going to put that in escrow. And for every day that you miss a practice, every game that you miss, we're taking the money out of escrow. And guess what? Now, all of a sudden, he wants to show up for camp. So my question to you boys is this. First game of the Sixer season, is he a Sixer or not? This is one of the craziest stories, and it does feel similar to the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson situations in the offseason where you know felt like they wanted to be moved and probably did want to be moved. They weren't, so they showed up, and, and now they're playing, and now Russell Wilson, of course, is injured. But with Ben Simmons, to me, like they both sides need to move on. Like the 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 mental kind of game that that, that was going on with Ben Simmons not wanting to shoot and and you got to start fresh somewhere else. I, I think coming back, and especially with the fans in Philly, yeah, once Philly's brutal. on you, that's really hard to overcome. And and so, you know, I, I guess they haven't gotten an offer that they feel like is is worthwhile enough. Um, so I don't know. You you bring him back, and then he plays, and he he builds up some more, you know, trade uh, value, uh, which they're hoping for. But to me, the the bridge has been burned, and so. I don't see I don't see it working out to where he actually gets back on the court and everything works out and the Sixers move forward with him as a a franchise cornerstone. Um, I still think it's it's again best for both sides to move on. It's gosh, it's so hard. So I'm I'm trying to find some middle ground here with how to even navigate Ben Simmons because in one sense people have overcorrected to think Ben Simmons is bad. Like, Ben Simmons is incredible at what he does. He is arguably the best defender in the NBA. He can guard one through five. And he is one of the best facilitators 
in transition players in the NBA. He is a luxury to have, but he's getting paid like a guy who he's getting paid 35 like 35 million dollars a year which is what you pay the best scorers True. in the NBA. So he's not bad. He's incredible at what he does. But is he worth the amount of money he's being paid to do what he does? I don't know. So it's hard to trade a piece like him because you're unloading I think the last year of his contract is $40 million. That is so much money. So if you if your expectation for him is, hey, do what you do, and you're one of the best in the NBA what you do, he's not a shooter. That's just not, that's not what he does. And if you're okay with that, great. But you have to really figure out, is he worth that much money for what he does? And I'm okay arguing that. You know, you but know I'm not. I'm not okay arguing that he's a bad player because he is a great player. It's just is he but, worth is he worth the money for what he does well? You, you just can't have a player on the floor at the end of games that isn't a threat to shoot the ball, though. Like even know, Dennis that, Rodman, exactly. Like, yeah. If he was wide open, he could make a he could make a shot. He could hit a layup. Like even even Rodman, who never looked to shoot, um, was able to do that. So and you can be an effective Hall of Fame player where you're a rebounder and defender and for Simmons being a passer and a you know, rebounder defender type guy. And I, um, I agree with the fresh start because it's going to be hard for him not to have in the back of the head. Every fan in this building at home games expects me to shoot the ball. And that it's not what he does. And, well, I'm, guys, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, but probably at a less dollar figure at $35 well, million a year. I don't know if I'm okay with that. Well, look at it this. Well, let's look at it from the other side of it, though. How much are you willing to give up for a guy who has no jump shot and is the opposite of clutch? He he had he didn't even take a shot in the fourth quarter of an elimination game, much less doesn't have a jump shot. I mean, you like all that other stuff, but when it's crunch time, um, am I giving up to a first round pick, two second round picks, or whatever it is for a guy who I can't even put in there? Who's afraid to even shoot free throws? Yeah, no. So I, I, I that's why they haven't been able to get a, a good trade. I, I am interested in teams like the Clippers. Like, what if they trade Paul George? Even though Paul George is to me better than Ben Simmons, but Ooh. it almost gives you it gives you protection. Like, if things don't work out with Kawhi, you at least have Ben Simmons to kind of have it for the future. Uh, because they mortgage their future to bring in Kawhi and Paul George, so I don't know. That one's kind of interested, interesting to me. Um, Portland, I, yeah, I don't see a, a smooth fit there. Indiana is kind of interesting. I just don't think Ben Simmons wants to go to Indiana, but they have some pieces that they, I think, they could move. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I, it's, I'm intrigued. It's tough. I mean, the Simmons and Embiid duo, like regular season powerhouses, but in the playoffs. I feel like you need a, a really good wing scorer with with Embiid. Yeah. Because then you I don't know. Playoffs you take you take away things and if you take away Embiid then I don't know. It's tough to pair like he's not a Ben Simmons isn't a perimeter threat and that, again that's so hard. And they got shooters. Seth Curry, they brought in Seth Curry. That was huge. They needed Danny that. Green was hurt, but yeah. But yep. I don't know. Well, it's boys. Tough. That's it for Tap Drill for today, where we always come through in the clutch.
There you go. Well, there's Henry. That's Appreciate right. him. Luke, thank you. Awesome show. Uh, sorry, I had a lot. I had a lot to share, and uh, would love to love to get the emails. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts on uh, <laughs> some of the takes today. Uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Uh, again, the, the topic for Unpack This was was self-inflicted wounds. So, so one of the things in our lives that we can kind of you know, really take ownership for and say, yeah, I mean, I, I'm feeling the pain because I, I made this mistake, but thankfully we, we rest in God's grace through Jesus and, and we, we rely on him to empower us to make wise decisions so that we're not throwing the turnovers, the interceptions, the fumbles, uh, but that, that we're operating with self-discipline and self-control as we live in the spirit each day. Uh, as followers of Jesus. And so be encouraged and uh, really appreciate you listening to the show today. Hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, We are gearing up for the Unpacking It Golf Tournament presented by Strategic Planning Corporation coming up a week from today. And so we will uh, be gone uh, next Monday as a golf tournament. So we will miss doing this show, uh, but we'll be back the following week. Uh, So uh, that's our big, big fundraiser for Unpacking It, which allows us to, uh, do everything we do as a ministry. And, and so really looking forward to that, that big day in Charlotte. And uh, thanks to all of our golfers and sponsors uh, supporting that. And if you'd like to support that as well as a listener, uh, you could do so. And you could be a fairway friend. Uh, so go to unpackingit.com slash golf uh, and find out more information about being a part of uh, this year's Unpacking It Golf Tournament. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Thanks so much for joining us right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.